podcast, Mike's getting tipsy He drink a lot of beer and he drink a lot of whiskey When he's not doing that, probably watching wrestling Talking about the beers and it's so interesting Mike's on the line with Bill Alfonso End of the day, he be cleaning out the tacos No better podcast if you ask me Getting worked, you could leave off the last G Driving in your car, getting worked Slacking at your job, getting worked the DMV getting worked in the VIP getting work out getting worked getting work get getting work getting work getting work get getting work getting work getting work get getting work getting work getting work get getting work people of the internet Getting Worked with Mike is back. I'm Mike. This is Getting Worked. Welcome back this week, guys. Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can pick up this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Go to gettingwork.com. No G in getting. Well, the second G. Follow me at Getting Worked on Twitter. At getting worked with Mike on Instagram once again. Shout out to Platinum Max Caster at Caster Show on Twitter at Caster Show on Instagram for doing the music there at the beginning of the show and the outro at the end. The beat you heard was made by Rusty Joints. You can follow him at Rusty Joints Music on Instagram. Show both those guys some love for making the music that I have here every week. So <laughs> this has been a really fucked up week in wrestling so you've got the biggest company wwe with a storyline about retribution apparently they have this new group going on where guys are coming out in masks and tearing everything up uh kind of felt like the nexus on monday night raw actually we saw this group Now, they're filming Raw from the Performance Center, so you're going to have that situation where we know they're in a small parking lot building in Orlando. Now, that's going to be good because they have a lot of people around, but you're going to tell me that a bunch of dudes in ski masks and hoodies were throwing Molotov cocktails at generators in the parking lot. For those of you that didn't watch Monday Night Raw, that's exactly what happened. This group, Retribution, shows up throughout Monday Night Raw. The power is going out. Things are going awry. Microphones are getting cut. At one point, the cameras caught this footage later today, or caught the footage earlier today, of several people in hoodies and masks throwing Molotov cocktails at a generator. This feels a little too much like WWE aping off of Antifa. Now, not to get too political, but I mean, with Linda McMahon having some involvement in politics, Vince being friends with Donald Trump. The fact that Donald Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer, he's been to WrestleMania, he's been hit by the Stone Cold Stunner, would make me think that Vince has an opinion on the riots and Antifa and all of these things. So I'm going to give WWE the benefit of the doubt on this one. I really hope that this group doesn't turn out to play too much on what's going on in the news because I watch wrestling to not have to watch the news. That's just me. I don't really want real world politics in my wrestling. Now, if this is another cool group like the Nexus where a bunch of people that deserve shots get a shot, like Chelsea Green, who is rumored to be in the group, uh, Vanessa Bourne, which is some of the names that showed up after SmackDown's scene, they did another event on SmackDown where this group came out, cut through the ropes, spray-painted everything, tears it up. Go back and watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown so you guys can make your own decision. But this group retribution seems to be a way to give... Some people who weren't getting a shot a shot. And that's always a good thing. But also, let's not Muhammad Hassan a bunch of people right when they come in by putting them in an Antifa parody. That's all I'm going to say. Let's be a little bit more careful about what we're doing. This group could be cool. Let's not screw it up. Which takes us from what the hell is going on with the fake wrestling television company 
to what the hell is going on with Marty Jannetty? Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with who he is, tag team wrestler, WWE in the 80s and 90s, blah, 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 blah. He was Shawn Michaels' partner in the Rockers. He's the guy who Shawn Michaels super kicked through the barbershop window when Shawn Michaels made his heel turn. And ultimately, his singles run that we all know and love him for now. Marty's had some issues. Marty Jannetty kind of has a reputation of the guy who is not necessarily long-term. Now, there's a running joke. Who has been hired and fired more by WWE, uh, the Iron Sheik, or Marty Jannetty? From what I understand, Marty's got some problems. Apparently, he's nuttier than squirrel shit, as one of my friends, Lord Crew, put it. Now, what has happened? Marty took to Facebook this past week. Apparently, to put a little context into the message, he was having a Facebook argument with a girl, which is weird for a 60-year-old pro wrestling legend to be doing. Not the first time Marty's put weird, stupid shit on Facebook. He kind of has a reputation for doing that as well. This goes a little bit further. Now, I'm going to preface his post with... There's some words he uses. There's There's a word he uses to describe a homosexual person that I do not condone. I'm not going to say the word. Uh, I think it's a stupid word that shouldn't exist. And it needs to leave most people's mouths. But for the sake of journalism, I'm going to read this post all the way through. Now, this is, quote, Marty Janetti. This is from his Facebook. I never told no one this, even my brother Gino, because Gino would have killed him. And I didn't want my brother gone. Hell, he'd only recently come home from Vietnam. I was 13, working at Victory Lane's bowling alley, buying weed from a insert terrible word here that worked there and he put his hands on me he dragged me around the back of the building you already know what he was gonna try to do (laughs) that was the first time I made a man disappear they never found him they should have looked in the Chattahoochee River but Winnie the girl in these pics I likes you so damn much probably my favorite But I promised myself way back then nobody would ever hurt me again. That includes you. I loved you, but you hurt me with your fucking Jamaican jealousy. You can go your own way. I don't need you. So, (laughs) this is a confession of sorts and you guys can look this up on TMZ has done a great job of talking about this so if the timing works out right this happened in 1973 now this is real real easy to track all they got to do is go back and look and like hey in this time frame did somebody working at this bowling alley disappear uh, he did an interview a couple days later where he got into much more detail uh, he Apparently, when the man grabbed his hair, swings a brick. Now, you can also go to ringsidenews.com. They got a great article about him opening up about the murder confession. He did an interview with Boston Wrestling MWF. Now, the shoot interview is about 20 minutes. States he was 13, and the clerk worked at a bowling alley in Columbus. Apparently, it was the shoe guy. Now... Let's see. Apparently, first, the guy tried to to go take him to the car and then grabbed Marty. Marty grabbed the brick, saying his intention was not to kill the man. When I was beating him in the head with a brick, I was only trying to beat his ass. I wasn't trying to kill him. He also is quoted as saying, Can you imagine dragging a guy who is just trying to fuck you in the ass? Can you imagine dragging him to the river and throwing him in? Then you hear this guy's missing. You know they do, and you know more than that. That fucking affected me bad, bro. I made my mind up that day. He didn't even do it in the dark. So, (laughs) 
Now, here's the thing. I'm laughing about a guy confessing murder, but there's a lot of things that play. If this is real, if that Marty Jannetty's telling the truth, we're going to find out real quick. It's going to be really easy to look and see that some dude that worked at a bowling alley is now gone and disappeared right around that time in 1973. But if I was a betting man, and I am, my money is that Marty Jannetty is full of shit. Not only is this some situation where he's said crazy stuff on Facebook before, he's a wrestler, he's a worker. I don't think Marty has the faculties to understand that working on Facebook can turn around into a real thing. The police have said they're investigating it. You can find a bunch of articles online where they're talking about how they're looking into this. So if it's true, we're going to find out real quick. But my money is that Marty's crazy 60-year-old dude who probably did way too many drugs back in the day and has a problem with expressing himself. He was in the middle of a fight with some girl on Facebook and probably posted this to try to scare her. Not realizing... People in the wrestling industry are going to screenshot that immediately, put it out, and then next thing you know, it's a big news story, and now the police are investigating Marty Jannetty. So, <laughs> Marty Jannetty, I hope you didn't do this. I really hope this is just a bunch of bullshit, because I don't want to sit here and be talking in a month about how Marty Jannetty actually killed a dude. Hopefully, Marty Jannetty is just a... Stupid, crazy old man who uses really bad language that none of us should use anymore and made up a story about killing a guy to scare his Jamaican girlfriend? I don't, I, I, I don't know. But I do know that next week on Monday Night Raw, we're going to be seeing the debut of a brand new faction, Chattahoochee. They're going to be coming out in blue masks with their hoods pulled up, carrying bricks, spray painting everything. It's going to be going on on Monday Night Raw. You heard it here first, guys. Chattahoochee coming at you with their finishing move, Jamaican Jealousy. But we're going to turn things around now. We're going to bring in our weekly segment, hashtag Hey Daddy. This week, Bill Alfonso is talking about the time he sucker punched Dusty Rhodes. And we're going to talk about what he's been doing. He actually went out in this world, in this COVID world, got on a plane, flew to a wrestling show, and performed. I'm going to ask him, what the hell was he thinking? And what kind of experience is it like going out there in the world during COVID? That's coming up next. Once again, this week on Monday Night Raw, Chattahoochee with their finisher, the Jamaican Jealousy. Let's go. So as one for the underdogs, but throw down, but we still press on. Do we need to get caught up? Caught up when it's never enough. Yeah. People of the internet, getting worked is back. It's hashtag hey daddy. Guess what? Fonzie's back. Mike is back. This week, we're answering questions you guys sent in. He's got some crazy fucking stories. And we're going to find out what he's been doing. But before we get into that, you guys know me. I'm Mike. I'm the drunk motherfucker all over this podcast. But it wouldn't be hashtag hey daddy without this man. The man who calls it down the middle. The manager of champions. ECW through and through. A goddamn wrestling legend. Ladies and gentlemen. Motherfucking Fonzie. What is up, hey, sir? My, Michael, that was fucking so awesome. I'm definitely a legend in my own mind. And I'm digging being on your podcast. Can you believe this is a fourth time? I love it, baby. This is part of my life. One of the things I look forward to is sitting down and talking to you about wrestling, talking to you about what we mark out about. That was one of the best things about our last conversation. We got deep into talking about Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer, talking about that motherfucking pile driver. That shit was insane. 
I think oh, I no, watched that 20 I times. Went, I went and rewatched it after we talked about it. I went and rewatched it about four or five times, and it's probably the coolest power driver I've ever seen. Oh, it's amazing. And you guys can go check it out on the WWE Network, November to Remember 1997. It was a flag match between RVD and Rob and RVD and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, but, hey, I got a couple of dates for you. Just this past, uh, I guess it was August 2nd, it was the 22nd year for Heat Wave 98 anniversary. And one of the, that's a really beloved pay-per-view. People mm-hmm. think that's their favorite pay-per-view out of ECW. And it could be people are saying that's their favorite pay-per-view of all time. I don't know what that means, but I don't think that can top WrestleMania. So. But anyway, that was trending pretty cool. Um, I posted something on that, got a lot of trends. Uh, yeah, and, so the, uh, uh, talking about all that stuff is so cool. Yeah, and, the, and with that being the anniversary of Heat Wave, that's such a legendary pay-per-view series for ECW. Um, the names that you guys had, Heat Wave, Hardcore Heaven, Gangsta's Paradise, you can't get away with pay-per-view names like that anymore. You couldn't have something with that intensive a name. Were you ever aware of the processes of them choosing the names for these events? Like, how, how far ahead did you know what some of these things were called? No, I wasn't part of the process. I was just a character doing the best I can do in my job, working for a super little fucking company that was badass. And Paul Heyman, Todd Gordon at the beginning, Paul Heyman towards the end was calling all the shots. And he was brilliant. Thank you, Paul Heyman, for being so brilliant. He was ahead of his time on that, in that side. You know, it was just, I don't know where the hell they came up with all these cool names, but uh, they're getting cooler as time goes by. It's like a legendary thing, you know? Everybody was excited about the 98, 22nd year. It was, it was trending all over fucking Twitter, whatever. Pretty fucking cool. And I was a part of it, so that makes it even cooler for me. Well, you were part of every ECW pay-per-view, correct? They did 22 of them, and I did 21. I missed one. Okay, you missed one show. So, I mean, you could say, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can say they did 21 out of a tw- out of the 22 pay-per-views a promotion did. I, I think in ECW, maybe not too many guys. No, no, especially uh, not in ECW. So many guys came right. and went through that company and then got moved on to other things just because exactly. they blew yep. the fuck up at ECW. Usually when they left ECW, we made them on the next step with superstars. Everybody stopped in ECW on the way. Listen, you know Colts owned Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. He came to ECW as Steve Austin and did a little thing with us one night at the arena. It was electrifying, Colts stone. You know, everybody knew from Texas and WC and all that shit. He was going to Vince to become Colts stone with the beer and the gimmick and all that. So he stopped and, Paul, and somehow the office didn't book him a room. So he came to the hotel. We were checking in and he says, oh, Steve Austin. Oh, sorry, no room for you. I gave him my room, and then I stayed with Sandman or something. Uh, but everybody passes through there, brother. Brian Pillman, everybody, Rick Ruth, so many superstars. And they wanted to. It's not like we had to pay him big money and we begged Dusty Rhodes to come do a fucking uh, a weekend show with us in Tennessee and TNA and all that. They were lined up to come work for us. Well, when I say us, I mean ECW. Was there... When you, you saw these guys come through, you know, you saw like Chris Jericho came through there, of, Rob I Van Dam. Yes, every one of them except for the originals. I didn't know Tommy Dreamer. I didn't know Taz. I didn't know Sandman. I didn't know Sabu. I didn't know Van Dam. I didn't know Mikey Whipwreck. I didn't know this guy, that guy. Tommy. None of them until after a minute when I walked in, I felt right at home. Did I? But when I walked in, I told you that story. Walked in with a nice suit on and shit. And so who the fuck are these guys? Big superstars, brother. Then everybody else came in. That's when I, uh, you know, so, I know all the main guys. Did you? Was there like any kind of talk backstage among you guys about who was going to be the next guy? Because obviously, like RVD gets noticed, he gets pulled. Like, Tommy Dreamer gets big. Raven gets big. He goes to WCW. Like like Stone Cold comes in, goes out. Brian Pillman goes to WWF. Like all these guys are getting. How did you guys see it coming, or was it a lot of times? Would you we walk in and be like, "Who's fucking gone? Oh, who's gone we, this week?" We, we we knew some of it because the guys on top generally are part of the office clique because we all right. make decisions together. 
not totally, but we're all part of a clique. Uh, so we knew somewhat. But like if we did a, a Funk in a Box or something, yeah. Paul Heyman kept that kayfabe real quiet because if he could excite us in the dressing room, if he could make the boys pop, wash it out, backstage lights off, here comes the box, Funk lights back under Terry Funk, and we all get excited. We know the audience is going to get excited. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he was brilliant at that. That's some of the times we didn't know what was going on. But usually we had a little, you know, a little heads up. Okay. So you saw the new talent coming through ECW. You see new talent coming through nowadays. You just came back from a trip working with new talent. You were just in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you were there for Coastal Championship Wrestling on July 25th. Now, we're talking about pay-per-view names, event names. This was Lucha Mania 2020, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Coastal Championship Wrestling. You were there with the Brazilian destroyer, Vinicius, correct? The the Brazilian giant. Brazilian giant. And and let me tell you why he's the Brazilian giant. And they brought me in to specifically manage him like they brought me in specifically to manage their... RVD of AIW, Matthew Justice. He's badass. Yeah. The only reason I can compare him to RVD is because he's like that style. You know what I mean? Uh, but he is their RVD. They brought me in to specifically manage uh, him, and I got a year contract with him, and I'm just getting ready to sign another year contract when we start working again. So they brought me in to manage this kid. He's got like a Vader-type gimmick. Right. The mask. They call him Brazilian Giant. But he's not real tall. He's not seven four or seven foot. So I came in and said, "Let me analyze." So they brought me in specifically to get him over and help him get over. Not that I'm a big star, but with me and him together, and I'm giving You could say you're not a big star, but putting your name next to somebody means something. Putting Fonzie okay. next to a dude that, that that has a level of cachet in wrestling, brother. You well, you that, say that, Fonzie, that's, that's, that's like, oh shit. Yeah, that's, that's their thought. It's a small company, but they've been yeah. around for a while, so they brought me in. And I said, look, we can't call you the Brazilian Giant because you're not seven four or seven foot. You know, you're a little bit tall. Here's why we're going to call you Brazilian Giant. Because at 12 years old, you weigh 300 pounds, and you were knocking grown men out since you've been 16 years old. That's why they call you the Brazilian Giant. And it got over. That's my promo. Every time I go out to the ring, people identify with it. So... We had a good show in Nashville. They flew us all up. We did a show. Um, it worked out good. I had dinner. It was super crazy. Uh, him and I go back from, to ECW. We were so glad to see each other. He's living in uh, uh, Mexico City, right out of the Mexico City, about two hours. And uh, he married a beautiful Japanese girl. Showed me the wedding pictures. I couldn't believe it. He's been, you know, take a guess how many times. I've been to Japan 13 times. Guess how many times. Super crazy has been to Tokyo. I mean, I, I'd say, God, that's super 30, crazy. 40, probably there's son, 50, 60. 70 times. Good fucking God. I mean. That's his whole career, like Mike Awesome. It was a shame Mike Awesome died. You know, he committed suicide. Fuck, it blew me away. That's, that, so that's a guy who was, that's a guy who could have. He could have been. He could have been a world champion. He right? could have been bigger than Triple H. He could have been that yeah, kind oh, of giant. Oh, he could have been. He's trunk swinger. Let's not take away from Triple H. No, no, not, nothing against Triple H. He could have been as big as Triple H, and this kid could work, and he was fucking love the business like us. Yeah, that's what got him over, and it killed me when Mike Awesome died. I said, "Fuck, man." To this day, you know, his last name was Alfonso, like me. You know, William Alfonso. He was Mike Alfonso for real. People thought we were related, but we weren't. To this day, his he match with Masato Tanaka. Oh, him and Tanaka, are you kidding me? Oh, my then God. they gave him that fucking gimmick in WCW uh, Love Boy or whatever the fuck it was. It was terrible. Oh, he, he was um, he was the, the fat chick thriller, and he was that Sonic 70s guy. Dude. He was that 70s yeah, guy? It did not work yet. So yeah. I, yeah. I don't think so. So when you but guys anyway, were watching they that. They paid him fucking a club, you know, quarter million dollars for the year. So it wasn't, I, I would have been fucking rock'em soccer boy if they paid me that kind of money. <laughs> I no, mean, that was, was going to be my question is, what was your thought when you saw him go to WCW and Mike Awesome's... Good move. Good for you, Michael. Good yeah. For you. So what? You're a fucking 70s guy. You're making the quarter million dollars in fucking 
42 shows. He's still Mike Awesome. Tony Ward won. Hell yeah. You know, he still came back in 2005 and had that match at ECW One Night Stand with where he came back against Tanaka that to this day is one of the matches I can go back any day of the fucking week and watch Mike Awesome wrestle Masato Tanaka. And I'm cool. I'll crack a beer, and, watch and, any of these and, matches. And, and, any, any of their matches. They had several. Mm-hmm. They probably had 10 matches yep. uh, at least. And I'd say five of them five star and the other five were fucking above excellent. So, you know what I mean? That yeah. unbelievable shit. Um, I think Tanaka, I asked super crazy about Tanaka. We talked about ECW and the guys and the guys that live in Japan because he's been there 70 times and we're right. friends. He said, I think Tanaka is a acupuncture therapist or something. Something like that now. And his body's relatively fucked up, but, you know, getting by. Because they did some crazy bumps. You know what Mike Awesome used to put him in that cross crucifix thing where you held him up under his armpits and uh, over his head, and then he throws him over the top rope. Crazy. Yeah, a, l- a lot Crazy. of people like to compare it to the Razor's Edge, but but Mike Awesome's yes. throw was mu- Mike Mike threw him straight. Razor threw him towards the ground. Scott threw him downward. Mike Awesome right. threw him up in the air. Mike Awesome was going for distance. And, he like, I'm going to throw the, the fuck out of you. Over the, over the guardrail. Right. In in the ring, close to the ropes. Mike was in it, and then he launched him over the guardrail. I've seen that. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, mm. but, so, you know. you're hanging out with Super Crazy in Nashville uh, yeah, at this Lucha Mania show. show. How does... Okay, because we're in the oh, middle of COVID. October, October 24th, we're back in Nashville. So successful, the tour, the one-day tour, we're running again. And we're bringing in Sabu. Oh, so you're going to be back there with Sabu? October 24th. October 24th. You guys heard it yeah. here. We're going to make sure to keep PCW. that posted on gettingwork.com. Yeah, we're going to keep you guys informed on that. Make sure you guys Thank go to you. Nashville and check out Sabu and Fonzie. Fuck, October? I'm going to go down and fucking see you guys. God damn. See you and Sabu? My, Holy shit. My thing, I did a promo before I left, so they put on the social media. My gimmick was, Oh, okay. I'm bringing in Sabu, and I got my new guy I manage here, the Brazilian Giant. What am I going to do to my favorite guys, two badass guys? I got my hands full. Then I went off air. So <laughs> that's what that's what people who know wrestling, who know Sabu, who know I am, and you know, getting familiar with the Brazilian Giant now. But they know I'm managing him. So I just left it like that. But it's going to be exciting. So tonight. all this is good. happening in the middle of COVID. How does that right. work nowadays? Where a company like like, like CCW or AIW, how how does how does that work as far as stepping to you or stepping to Sabu and and proposing the idea of hey, I want you to get on a plane, I want you to fly, and I want you to come do this wrestling show right now. What's your like, how, how did that go down? What was your thought process when they reached out to you? Well, my family was against it because of the pandemic. I said, look, I'm going to be very vigilant. I wore a mask and gloves to the ring. Mm-hmm. I didn't hug. I'm a very personal guy. And I've known a lot of these guys for fucking years. So it's, all the time when I see somebody, I give them a hug or something, you know, but I'm not doing that. We're doing an elbow or fist bump or whatever. Everybody's cool. Right. Uh, my family had more reservations than me about not going. Okay. Me, I said, okay, the money's okay. Uh, it's a round trip tickets one night. If I'm vigilant, take care of myself, I'll be fine. So I did it, and it worked out. Uh, we'll do that next show. If everybody's cool, we'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's limited to the cities that we're doing these shows. I've done three shows for CCW. I just did one this Saturday night. Well, you know Hugo from Mexico? He's that has something to do with Underground, yeah. Luchador, or whatever. Yeah, Lucha so Underground. It was a big benefit show. This past Saturday in Kissimmee, Florida, which is right where Disney World is in Orlando, we it was at a big church. It was outside in the parking lot. There was probably three thousand people there because it was a fundraiser for. There was a lot of Mexicans, so they brought in the Mexican wrestlers. Carlos Colon's two kids were there. Uh, they taped it. Hugo was commentating. They, uh, there was probably ten photographers there from uh, Mexico. I think they're gonna edit it, make a show out of it, and show it somehow in Mexico. And I had a prime spot with my boy, and Hugo was talking about, oh, Fonzie, ECW, but all in Spanish. So it was pretty cool. 
freaking event. Hell yeah. That was just Saturday. That was, and then Nashville was the week before that. So I've done two shows with them. And my next show with CCW, which is cool, is one in Fort Lauderdale. going to be at a drive-in theater. But remember, these things are all organized by the running companies, but overlooked by the city. You can't have more than 500 people. Mm-hmm. They got to have masks. They got to have a temperature, social distance, all that. And we were doing that. They're not making banks, but they're selling T-shirts and merchandise and online, social media. So they're, you know, they're well, yeah. okay. We, we got to keep it alive right now. This isn't the time where yes. companies companies aren't going to make their biggest profits. Go support these companies so they can stay alive. Go to these CCW yes. shows. Go to AIW shows. Guys, anybody listening to this, go just buy a ticket to wrestling. Because right now, if you do love wrestling, now is the time to put your money into it. Because hey, if, and you'd be lucky to find a live show. Well, we, if we don't put the money know, in now, there won't be a live show in fucking five years. Right. So what we're saying is buy a DVD from AIW. I there you go. did a little thing. They said, hey, if you want to support AIW, buy a DVD. And then I posted, you know, I commented on that post. I said, hey, hell yeah, daddy. I want the one where I dive off the top rope and put Wes, he's the manager of one of my opponents, Matthew Justice, the world champion, was fighting. I put his ass through a table and broke three ribs. I want that DVD, Daddy. In fact, I'll take two of them. Hell yeah, thanks, Daddy. So it just trended a little bit. You know, a thousand people liked it. So hopefully that helps the company and they sell a couple of DVDs because we're all struggling now. But you know what I mean? It's going to come back eventually, but Ohio's really strict, Michael. Really strict. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm across the river from it in Kentucky, and, and the, everything is just shut the fuck down. You can't go anywhere. Now, Correct, correct. Tra- traveling there, you know, you, you, you were cautious on the plane. You're cautious there. What's the mentality like backstage? Is, is, is the vibe different? Because obviously people have to be apart. There can't be that many people. You hear, you hear these stories about indie shows not being able to bring friends. Actually, backstage, more looser. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We feel comfortable with each other. I didn't have my mask on the whole time backstage. I hate to say that, but you know, I, my chair was six feet away from everybody. But you know, everybody, hey, Bonzi, when they walk in, when I walk in the fucking dressing room, and these indie companies like AIW or CCW or mm-hmm. whatever fucking W, people are fucking crazy for me. They say Bonzi. They get up out of their chairs and sit here, Fonzie. These fucking young kids. It's crazy. Like like Japan, how they get the respect for the older guys and shit. Right. It's crazy. But uh, but everybody treats everybody with a lot of respect. And, you know, everybody's aware of the virus. But we get a little loose in the dressing room. <laughs> you know, we're not kissing and hugging. I mean, I'd kiss Francine if she was in the dressing room and give her a hug with those great, big, beautiful uh, breasts she's got. Anyway. I love Francine, and uh, that's who I love for sure. I don't care about that. <laughs> Missy, Missy Hyatt, too. Have you seen pictures of Missy Hyatt lately? She posted something, and I seen a picture of Missy Hyatt. Yeah. She was freaking beautiful. I couldn't believe it. The damn. I mean, like, drop dead. Fucking beautiful. Smoking, boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem hugging the girls. No. So and they all want to hug me. Hey, I got a birthday coming up next week. Me and Hulk Hogan, August eleventh, Hulk Hogan's birthday. International, big twenty-two inch, twenty-four inch python. Hulk Hogan, the most famous wrestler of all. You remember me talking about it when I walk in. I'm a sports entertainment. I don't say Jerry Briscoe or Dutch Mantel or Rocky Johnson. What do you mean sports entertainment? You know Hulk Hogan. Okay, so his birthday is August eleventh, and so is mine. Sometimes we were lucky to spend it together, but usually not, you know, even though he's in Clearwater and I'm 25 miles from him. But my birthday's August 11th, Daddy. Oh, shit. Mine was yesterday. Happy birthday. You're Leo? Yes, sir. Beautiful. That's why we get along, because we're fucking tigers. <laughs> I know all that ass. Oh, Fonzie and Mike are tigers. We're fucking tigers. People of the internet, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Getting Worked family our new sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is going to bring you 
precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And I'll tell you, they found their guy. Manscaped, you found your fucking guy. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing my friends will say about me, that's that I drink too much. But if there's two things, if there's if there's two fucking things my friends will say about me, the first is that I drink too much, the second is Mike is a really hairy dude. Now, with that being said, Manscaped has you covered because they have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. The new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade. That way, less little nicks and scrapes. You know what they say? Less nicks for your dick. That's the Manscaped slogan. It's actually not the Manscaped slogan, but it should be. Now, with us here at Getting Worked, you can be getting 20. You're going to be getting 20% off when you go to Manscaped and you use my promo code, GETTING20. Not only are you getting 20% off, but you're getting free shipping for the Lawnmower 3.0. It's water resistant. It's got a light on the front so you can get all up in your goodies. Go now and use the promo code GETTING20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's GETTING20 at manscaped.com. One more time to the rafters, GETTING20 at manscaped.com and you'll be getting 20% off and free shipping. Once again, that promo code is GETTING20. Shave on. So, Hell yeah. <laughs> we're going to get into these questions. We've actually pulled a lot of questions. You guys can send questions in using the hashtag HeyDaddy, hashtag H-E-Y-D-A-D-D-Y on Twitter. Hey Daddy, send your questions in to me and Fonzie. Uh, we're going to get into these questions, but before we get into the specific ones, I got a lot of questions about one thing you said last week. What? Well, I said a lot of things. <laughs> you said a lot of podcast. shit. I mean, we covered alligator stories, plane crashes, fucking road stories, drug overdoses, everything. Yeah, 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 but, but... I didn't leave nothing out. I didn't leave nothing out. You said you punched Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I was going to save that fantastic story because my social media director, Angelica Alfonso, who's my niece, and she's terrific, and you guys have met her and have heard about her, She's posting pretty soon. Since the first podcast tour I started like almost two months ago, um, was so successful, get a lot of good feedback, and people love the stories and all legitimate, and I have a great time and I get good reviews. So we're launching Podcast 2, Podcast 2 Tour with Bill Alfonso. So I'll be doing podcasts with some of the same podcast people, and more so i was saving that dusty story for that but since you're my boy since i've been on your show four times i'm gonna tell the story firsthand on your on your show if you want me to this is the question i got multiple times from people in one form and another i got whether it was did he say he punched dusty to when the fuck did fonzie punch dusty to Wait, is this the same story I, I heard? Okay. Okay, so what time frame are we talking? Early 80s. Early 80s. Okay. All right, so early 80s. Where were you at the time where you and Dusty are in the same area, the same promotion? What's going on? I, I, I got hired May of 1980 for Florida Championship Wrestling. Eddie Graham, the owner. Right. Dusty, the booker. One of the bigger companies in the fucking country, world renowned, Gordon Soley. Oh my God. I signed a contract with them. So I'm working for them. Dusty's a booker. I'm fucking learning. I'm green. I'm a young referee, but enthusiast. Uh, I want to do my job good. And I was good. I was a natural. And I became better and better. Uh, and got for me with all the guys. And then I started being well liked by a year after being trained by the greatest sports entertainment guys 
on the planet at that time. Eddie Graham, Dusty, Dory Funk, Jack Briscoe, all these freaking guys. Uh, crazy. I met tons of guys. Bobo Brazil, the Sheik. I was trained by the best. So I'm getting better. So I'm, at Florida Championship Wrestling, we would tape TV, which you've seen the Florida Championship Wrestling TV shows. I'm all over. We would tape that on Wednesday and then Wednesday morning and then go to Miami for the Miami show that night. So TV in the morning, drive to Miami, do the show, drive back the next day, drive back to Tampa, based out of Tampa. Fuck. The next day we were, in, we were in Jacksonville. So that was a hard day. Yeah. And you think Dusty and Black Jack Mulligan in the top matches drove? No, it's 250 miles. They flew on the twin-engine plane. You know what I mean? But me and all the other guys had to drive, which is no problem. You know, the stars should fly. Right. They're back at 12 o'clock at night. We're back at 4 in the morning. So what? So once in a while, a spot would open up on the airplane. And they made it. I was well liked by Dusty. It was his left hand man, not his right hand man. His right hand man was J.J. Dillon at that time. J.J.'s excellent assistant booker. He was fantastic. J.J. Dillon, very good friend of mine. So hold on. Dusty's left hand man. I would do, you know, I'd meet Dusty at 7 o'clock. We'd go over the format of the show for a big show. At 7.15, I was done. I had the whole show in my brain. And I would go tell everybody involved because he would talk to me. Not everybody, not the 25 guys on the show would talk to me. It was my responsibility to translate Dusty's thoughts to these 25 guys and get it right. And I did. That's what I was well liked. So, so you're, you're middle manning. You, so the yes. middle manning from Dusty to the boys has yes. gotten you on the plane. Is, is this, is this, is this the Graham's plane or is this like a, a Who's who, this? Is the company plane that they're flying on? Are you guys no, flying on a com- or like commercial? Uh, there was several planes. You could rent one, lease one from the hangar, hangar one. You could lease one. Eddie Graham had a plane that only held four, but usually they want six guys, and they would lease one. So it, you know, it's four hundred, five hundred bucks to fly to Miami round trip. Okay, night. so you're not on Delta. Uh, I can't afford that. I have to drive. It's economics for me because I'm only making X amount of dollars. Dusty's making tons of money. They can afford to fly, but right. once in a while. Dusty would say, hey, uh, my grandma's not going to Miami. There's a little cubby hole you can sit in and fly with us and fly back. We're not going to charge you again, Fonzie. Are you kidding me? We want you to come. I said, right. So it was a treat for me to jump in a plane with Dusty and Harley Race and Eddie Graham and Jack Briscoe and fly to Miami, do a show, and fly mm-hmm. back home at 12 o'clock. Amazing. I'm a young kid, 22 years old. Fuck what I know. But... So that's how the story started, where I sucker punched Dusty. Is that what you're leading up to, the sucker punch? Yeah, so, okay, so how do you go from, right, he's you're, he's inviting you on the plane, yeah. wh- wh- how do you sucker punch him? Okay, now, this is my first two years in business. I'm young, mm-hmm. I don't drink alcohol, I smoke very little pot, I'm clean cut, I'm well-dressed, I'm well-mannered, I'm learning the business, I'm humble. And I'm on the lower side of the business because, you know, I'm the referee. So they thought Blackjack Mulligan and Dusty thought it'd be very funny for them to pour me a drink, uh, a shot of Jack Daniels. Hey, Bonnie, look, who's in the back seat that cubby hole? Oh, it's Fonzie flying with us. They fly every week. I'm a, I'm a novelty beast for them. They're making fun of me, having a good time. <laughs> oh, so they poured me another shot. So now I got three or four or five shots of Jack Daniels in mm-hmm. me. Now I got, the flight's only 49 minutes from Miami to Tampa. And they go 250 miles an hour on the plane. Uh, so I got eight or nine or ten shots. When I got off that plane, I was so fucking drunk, I could barely stand <laughs> So, and I didn't have a ride home from the airport because I was supposed to drive. They invited me on the plane at the last minute. I was going to jump in with Ron Bass and Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo and ride with them. But, no, I got a chance to go on the plane with Dusty. So I said, they said, well, go ahead, Fonzie. Because they liked when I – because they would have to wait for me. They would say they were, they were the seventh or eighth match. There was nine matches. 
they would have to wait three more matches because I would referee the main event. Right. So we'd get out of there the last week by the shower. So they were glad I was on the place so they could leave early. So Dusty and Blackjack Mulligan got me fucking drunk. And out of out of drink at that point. So we get off the plane and Dusty says, oh, you know, Buzzy? I says, I'll, I'll take you home. Where you live, where Ebor City. So on the way to Dusty's truck, he's got a red Ford Dually two four wheels in the back pickup truck. And the way to his truck was parked, you know, 35 feet from the entryway. He says, he says fine. Him and Black Deck Mulligan say, hey, Fonzie, you see that trash can right there? You know, a regular size trash can, a plastic one. Right. He said, you know, Mulligan kicked that trash can and it went over the curb. How far do you think you can kick it? I said, if I kick that trash can, Dusty, I'm going to kick it past Mulligan 25 feet. Oh, Jesus said, okay. Christ. So I get, to run, I get to run and start to kick the trash can. This is a rib on me. You're so drunk, drunk challenging Mulligan to do right. anything. Anything. So, so I kicked the trash can, but it was they knew it was bolted down to the ground. You know, there was no way. Oh, for fuck's no sake. So it was a rib on me. Just, so I went first. I went to kick the thing. I busted my ass. I fell. I busted my arm. I was bleeding. Got juice, everything. So then they felt a little bad. So Dusty says, jump in the truck. I'll take you home. So we're, uh, we passed my house. I don't know where I live because I'm so fucking drunk. I said, I think it's right there. Oh, that, Dusty's going around the block. My wife looks out the window and says, I seen that red truck pass the house about eight times. I didn't know what house I lived in because I was so drunk. So finally, Dusty got so fucking tired of me that I was so drunk. It was his fault that he wanted me to fucking take it, drop me off somewhere and take a cab home. I, so he said that. I said, fuck you. And out of that, when he wanted to get me out of his car because we couldn't find my house, it was already 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was their fault for getting me drunk. I sucker punched Dusty. We're in the, I'm in the passenger <laughs> side and he's in the driver's side. He's leaning over, Fonzie, brother, I got to go home too. We got to find out where you live. I hit him so fucking hard. <laughs> he had chew in his mouth because he dipped. You know, he dipped that yeah. out, that, uh, that skull or whatever. That skull and his face turned and went all over the windshield and shit. He couldn't believe I fucking hit him. So what does he do? He gets, doesn't get mad. He says, okay, that's enough, Fonzie. He gets my wrestling bag, throws it out the door. And throws me out. I'm at a 7-Eleven at fucking 3 in the morning. Dusty drives off. Oh, my God. And uh, 7-Eleven people called the cops because they see me sucker punch the guy and throw my bag out. And so the cops come. I said, I tell them the story. Hey, Dusty got me drunk. Now the cops are laughing with me, too, or at me. I said, look, Dusty, they got me drunk. We didn't show Miami. Oh, they know Dusty, Gordon Soli. They're, you know, Florida wrestling, the big stars. So they said, jump in the car, we'll take you on, what's your address? And for some reason, I knew my address, 2719 Palmetto Street or whatever. They took me right home, and fucking that was the end of the story. My wife said, why is the police bringing you home? And then I had to explain the whole story to her. (laughs) I got drunk on a plane, I kicked a trash can, I sucked a bunch dusty, I threw me out at the 7-Eleven, the fucking police came. They recognize the story, and at least I'm home. There's, there's like five different ways you can frame that story to people. You can be like, "Hey, here's the story about the time I punched Dusty," or "Hey, here's the story about the time Dusty left me at a Seven Eleven," or yes. "Hey, here's the time I got drunk on a plane with Dusty," or "Here's the time I took Mike Mike Graham's spot on an airplane." There's like four right. different ways you can sell that story. But Holy I sell shit. The story as I, how I sell the story is I suck a bunch dusty is because this was in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. All the way up until, God bless him, I love Dusty, and he was my mentor, my complete mentor in the wrestling business. I owe my whole career to him. Uh, when he came to ECW for you know a couple of shows, yeah. He said, hey, you ain't going to sucker punch me tonight. He said that of WCW <laughs> once in a while. Once in a while. He didn't say it every time I've seen him, but once in a while, he's, hey, Fonzie, baby, you ain't going to sucker punch me, are you tonight, baby? I said, no, sir. <laughs> so that's why those are words, sucker punch Dusty. Hey, it's the first time. Is that is that your first, do, is that your first Dusty impression on a podcast? Uh, kind of. You know, the <laughs> so good. I refuse to let this change me Unbreakable
of the internet another week of getting worked has come and gone shout out to Fonzie this week was really fun we got to talk about the uh, story of him punching Dusty Rhodes next week tune in we've got more questions sent in by you guys using the hashtag hey daddy so make sure you guys subscribe uh, follow on Apple Podcasts follow on Spotify make sure you guys go follow Fonzie at Alfonso Bill on Twitter at Bill Fonzie Alfonso on Instagram. You can follow me at Getting Worked on Twitter at Getting Worked with Mike on Instagram. Make sure you guys go to Manscaped. Use my promo code Getting Twenty. Get you twenty percent off. Make sure you guys tune into Monday Night Raw once again. My faction, Chattahoochee, coming for you with the Jamaican jealousy. Tune in to Monday night. No, man, I'm not. I'm not actually going to be on Monday Night Raw. But make sure you guys watch some wrestling this week. Drink some beer. Drink some whiskey. Cheers. Make sure you guys are getting worked. Like, subscribe, leave a review. See you next week. We got drunk. We marked out. We'll see you next week. This is Platinum Max signing off. Getting worked. There's no G in get. Except for the first G, of course. Driving in your car, getting worked. Slacking at your job, getting worked. At the DMV, getting worked. In the VIP, getting worked. Out, getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked.